Sports Now, Philly Fan Podcast. My name is Zach with Andrew. A couple things right off the bat. I said it correctly. Good. I always I always say the wrong thing in that phrase, which it, anyway. Um couple things. One, my throat scratched the heck and back. Uh I partied game three at the at the bank. Uh went to two weddings and sang my butt off. My throat is gone. So it's gonna sound cr- like crap. I'm going to try and give it to Andrew for the most part, but also I'm in a pissy mood. So I'm going to try and take it from Andrew a lot. I'm sure that's going to happen. Two, going off of the pissy mood comment, explicit episode. Mom and dad, if you're listening, might not want to listen to this one. Any other youngins out there, this is the warning. I'm furious. Words are going to be flying out of my mouth. I'm sorry, not sorry. Lastly, just to give some positivity before we get into the negative again, go Phillies. Phillies are in the National League Championship Series. It is great. It is what we are going to talk about second on this podcast because, unfortunately, we are recording this mere moments, mere moments after the Philadelphia Eagles drop a fucking egg against the New York Jets. What in God's green earth? What in the hell and back was that? I mean, for the love of God, that was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. Uh, I mean... Yeah, I'm I'm a little negative. I'm a little negative. I'm a little emotional. A little emotional. Felt pretty positive going into this game considering that the Jets secondaries were injured, right? They weren't fresh. They weren't feeling great. So, you know, excuse me for thinking, oh, MVP caliber Jalen Hurts can outscore the New York Jets defense, which he couldn't. He couldn't. We lost. We lost the game. 20 to uh, 14, right? That was bad. I mean, I am... There is no good spins to this. Andrew, I can't wait to throw it to you just so I don't talk anymore. But holy crap, I'm not going to disagree with probably everything you say. What are we going to defend? The coordinators suck. Jalen Hurts looked like crap. I I came on here defending Hurts saying he knows how to win. That's all he needed. Well, now he knows how to lose against a bad team. A team that was 2-3. and A team that got smoked by the Dallas Cowboys, no less. Who we have to play coming up. Twice, don't forget. Our division, you know. I I just I just can't wait to deal with that crap. Dallas Twitter is a freaking nightmare. Can't wait to deal with the fact that we're going to somehow play all these teams. We're going to somehow beat Dallas twice. We're going to somehow beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We're going to somehow beat the San Francisco 49ers, who did just get upset by the Browns. Don't get me wrong. That's great. And you know what? The Chiefs got beat by the Jets, too. I don't know how the hell that happens, but... I don't give a shit because we're talking about the Eagles losing to the Jets. And the fact that you couldn't pull that win off today, just, I mean, three goddamn interceptions, hurts. Did you just want to hand them the ball next time? I'm done. I'm done. My, that was not my voice. I, I got to take a break. It's Andrew's turn. Uh, <laughs> I, I, this might not be audible, this episode, but I I cannot. As this was, I... Furious, and I just I I don't have anything else. I don't I don't know. Andrew, you're up. <laughs> yeah, no this this game was absolutely terrible. I mean, there's nothing, there's no disagreements there. I mean, this is a game you absolutely should have won. This is a game you looked at coming into the season. This is a game you looked at through five weeks of the season, coming into week six, that you expected to fully win this game. Um, there's plenty of different areas to point to it. Uh, my first two spots are 
absolutely on Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson. The offensive game plan was absolutely horrendous today. Um, and obviously, as you mentioned, Jalen Hurts, he was absolutely horrendous as well. Uh, and, and you look at it, you, you're not going to win. I don't care who you're playing, whether it's the best team or the worst team in the NFL. You're not going to win a game. You're, uh, maybe you can, but you're not going to win many games when you end up with four turnovers and the, you force them to zero turnovers. Your defense yeah, I mean, I said that. it in our – sorry, real quick. I said it in our text. I said, I said we're going to lose games this season because of turnovers like this because I'm thinking in my head, oh, if you give up two interceptions to the Chiefs, they're going to run all over you. Oh, if you fumble it to the Dolphins, they're going to go win, even on primetime in Philly. I did not expect to lose this game, even after the, I don't know, second turnover, whatever one that was. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's that's the thing here. I, I mean, you look at it, and, and I know final stats hurts his three interceptions. It's two interceptions in my eyes. Uh, the one Dallas Goddard definitely should have caught and could have been a fumble if he has it a split second longer, but the ball gets knocked out of his hands and the Jets get it. Regardless, it's a turnover. Um, I know that one falls under Hurts, but I think that was more on Goddard. So he's got to be better because, um, again, that's not going to show up in the stats. So I want to make sure he, I'm sure, I want to make sure he gets his credit at fault too, because again, that's one he needs to bring in, hold on to it, and then we could be talking a different story there. Um, and, and I said this in our text too. Don't get me wrong, Hurts played absolutely terrible, but honestly, I have a lot more issues with the coaching today. Um, Nick Sirianni called a terrible game. Brian Johnson called a terrible game. With all that being said, you have those turnovers. You have a chance. You're playing a very bad offense. Your defense has been dominating all game. And instead of just Jets are out of timeouts, instead of just running the ball, killing the clock, kick, punting it back to them with a minute left, they would have had to go all the way down the field with zero timeouts. You've already pinned them inside the 15 once. You could have done it again. But instead, you should, and this, this is on Harris for forcing it, but instead you call a passing play, giving him the option to throw the ball. And um, he throws in double coverage. And, and that's where he's inexcusable there. Like, worst case is, and you hear this constantly from announcers, from Eagles, pregame, postgame reporters. I mean, everyone you hear this from. If there's not a play to be made there, you take a sack, worst case, and keep the clock going. Or you run back to the line of scrimmage, slide and go down. There is zero reason, zero reason to force that in double coverage. And that's exactly what he did. And and it was in a spot where, because of the double coverage, the rest of the play is going on the right side. You throw it in double coverage on the left. The Jets are able to get back to the five-yard line. It's not even like you threw a, a deep ball. You know, sometimes you can say, oh, I don't care about the interception because it was a deep ball and it was basically like a punt. You know what I mean? You see that sometimes at the end of games. But no, this one was just straight into open field like you were trying to play catch-up in the game. And it let them run it back to, I think it was the four-yard line because there's no one there to tackle them. Um, and then, I don't know what, I mean, I know we lost a little momentum at that point, but that final series, absolutely terrible too. They didn't even stand a fight. I mean, they, they threw a two-yard pass to Devontae Smith and that's all you did there. Oh my god! Oh my god! I, I saw that play, and that was third down, right? That was third down. You yeah, were two yard down. pass. The fuck are you doing? Yeah. Uh, and that's and, and again and, and here, see, I'm not done. Uh, and and maybe this is Sirianni. He's got to he's got to get Brian Johnson because I mean, his red zone play calling is absolutely terrible. And um, here, here's a number that just stands out to me. And I don't care whether the Jets had to call up an entire college defense for today's game. I get it. They were missing two cornerbacks. I get it. They were missing a safety. I get it. Their passing defense was depleted a lot today. But with how good your run game is, with how good the offensive line is, there is zero reason. Again, I don't care if you're playing a college team. 
there is zero reason that this offense should be so far in discrepancy in 45 passes to 21 runs in a game you're winning 14 to 3 for 90% of that game. It's not like you were playing catch up the whole game and you had to pass the ball to come back into the game. You were winning 14 to 3 most that game. I, I don't think we were trailing at all until, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think we were losing that game at all until that final two minutes of the game when they took the lead. So there was zero reason that you should have called 23 more pass plays than run plays in a game you're winning with a back in DeAndre Swift who's had 100 plus yards multiple times this year. And a quarterback that can run the ball like crazy and an offensive line that is probably the best in football, if not at least the top three offensive line. Can I, can I, if I can jump in here, um, something I want to add to that too, and this goes, this, I assume is Johnson and Sirianni. I don't know who takes most of the blame here. And I mean, I could be wrong, could be neither. But like, I mean, just the worst plays of all time. Why is Hurts running so much today? Like, first, 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 he, he was, Beyond, I know we have a good offensive line and we lost Lane Johnson, which is a huge loss. But like, Hertz felt like he it felt like he couldn't hold on to the ball for more than two seconds. Like he had to get out of the pocket. He had to scramble immediately, and he was just out of time every single play without even hesitation. He was just done. The, the play was done, the dead, and he had to throw it away. And sometimes it was a miraculous. Oh my God, Adrian Brown caught it, and he fell out of bounds. It was great. Ah, like. But other times it was you know the three interceptions. And when you have great running back like Swift and a very good running back like Gainwell, why are we having Hertz run it when we are running it? I agree we didn't run it enough. Like, like it wasn't even like we ran it enough. But when they are running it, why was Hertz running so much today on no less a turf field? So it's like you're asking to hurt him. I think it was a mix. Uh, if I'm going to be honest with you, I think it was part coaching. I think a lot of that, some of it was, was game plan on, on what they wanted to do. I think two part of it was Lane Johnson going down. I think Hertz didn't trust the pocket enough today. Um, like you said, he was scrambling a lot. So again, I think out of some of his carries, it goes down as rushes, but I think you could pull some of those and mark them as actual pass plays. So I think the, the run pass discrepancy is probably even higher if they actually throw those balls away. Um, so I, I think that part was a mix of everything just because you haven't seen, they've been a, very hesitant for him running for most of the season. So I, I think that just, that was the end game, but, but that's where as coaches, you have to adjust. Driscoll was absolutely terrible at right tackle today, filling in for Lane Johnson. You know what you're supposed to do? And they never, I don't know if they did it at all is you put an extra tight end in a play, help him out. He's obviously uncomfortable out there. He's obviously getting beat by Williams on the Jets defense. Go, you throw Goddard out there. You throw, you put Jack Stoll in there uh, for an extra blocker. That, that's you see it constantly in all other areas of the on other other teams. I don't know why they couldn't figure that out today. They clearly needed help on that right side, and, and you saw it in the past. They've done it in the past. I, I don't know, I don't know what I don't know why they didn't go go that road today. Um, and I'll tell you I, what, Goddard didn't really have a great game. I don't have the stats in front of me. I don't really care to look. But, like, uh, I test Goddard didn't have a great game, so throw him in there to do that do, do that tight end duty. You know what I mean? Like, get him out of the passing game. Yeah, no, that, that's part of being a tight end. You, you see that when you scout tight ends. You, you, you hear about it when you draft it. Like, when you draft guys or sign guys, you hear, well, are they a good catcher? Are they a good run blocker? Are they a good pass? Like, that's part of the tight end game. That's why, I mean, they're, they're big guys, too. They're not obviously as big as offensive linemen, but they're bigger and wide receivers and everything. Uh, and yeah, I know. And that's why I got on Goddard um, earlier for, for the 
the, the drop catch that goes under an interception for Hertz, but that that to me that should be a fumble for for Dallas. And he finishes the game with five yard, or sorry, five catches for forty two yards. So, um, sorry, sound like my dog dog's on the throw. Um, so no, yeah, he goes for goes for five catches, forty two yards, and it's it was just a mess of a game. And you could point to many different directions, and and again, you, you combine it. Swift, Gainwell, Scott, a total of 14 carries. And that's terrible. And, and here's the crazy part, too. And and this is what kind of is crazy, too. If if you want to sit there and tell me, oh, the run game wasn't working, and that's why they had to do all that, then fine. But Gainwell, two carries, 13 yards. That's six and a half yards per carry. I mean, it's not like it didn't work. Swift struggled. But, he, again, when you finally gave him the ball late in the game, he had back-to-back eight-yard runs, if, if you remember, for those first downs. And, again, I, I honestly put zero blame on defense. They held the Jets to 12 points all game. They were f- phenomenal. That, that's the bright side out of here. Uh, that, those, that 20 doesn't happen if the interception doesn't happen, number one. Number two, they kept coming up with sack after sack, stop after stop. I mean, how many times in our group chat in that fourth quarter did we text each other, oh, just put a, get a touchdown here. That's going to put the game away. Get a touchdown. Like, I feel like we said that five times in the fourth quarter. Yeah, Andrew, and you know what? You, you got a point. We we held them to 12 points for the most part until they scored again and got 20. And I know that's more on the fact that it was practically a pick six more than it was on the defense for that one. Um, but I also got to throw, you know, uh, shade at the defense because let, let's look at some of the Jets games, you know. Uh, when the Jets <clears> – <throat> oh, shoot, I just had it – oh, I went to preseason. That's why it was weird. You know, the Cowboys beat the Jets. They held them to 10 points. The Patriots beat the Jets. They held them to 10 points. You know, the, you know, the Chiefs, they lost or the, they beat the Chiefs and they only had 23 points. It, it's it's you, you, you have to be able to handle bad teams, man. Like, that's the thing is this is a bad team. The Jets are bad. Without Aaron Rodgers, it's a bad team. They're injured. Like, what the? It's it's not good. And, and, and we came on point. here it, it, defending it, it, the Eagles. And saying, like, they were getting dirty wins, but it's okay because they were getting wins. And that's true. I still stand by a win is a win. However, <clears throat> however, when you are getting smoked by other teams in comparison, and I don't mean smoked in our games because we're not. We're not losing by a lot here, but we're not getting a big win. We really haven't. Our biggest win is, like, I would have to go with the, the Vikings game, 34-28. And the Vikings are a bad team too. Like, I, I, I don't know, man. I, this, this was bad. And, and I texted, I said, I said, this exposed us. And, and, you know, I just, I completely stand by that statement. We could easily get smoked by the Dolphins next week. We could easily lose against the commanders because we already won. And it's hard to beat a team twice. We've talked about that a million times. And then you could say, we're going to lose against the Cowboys because comparably to the jets, they outscored them by 20 points, 20 points. And we just lost. Like, I just, uh, I am in an absolute hole with the Eagles after this loss because this, this was the game. I said it. This was the game I wanted to see a deficit by the Philadelphia Eagles against this Jets. And instead we lost. That, that, that sums up everything I have to say. Yeah, I'm, I think again, this, this team did handle the, the Jets' offense. They, you mentioned the ten points from the Cowboys. Well, we gave up twelve. Um, we gave up twenty. I, you I, I get what you're doing, but we gave up twenty. 
no, we let them score that last touchdown. Um, I mean, that, that was given. You let them score because you need the ball back. You wouldn't have got the ball back because they would have said they would have just ran the ball three times and then kicked the game-winning field goal. So you had to let them score the touchdown. And, and again, Hurts doesn't throw the interception. We're not even talking about this right now. We're talking about – so, again, it, 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 this, this falls back on Hurts and Nick Sirianni. Um, again, I put zero blame on defense. They did their job. They had five sacks. They, they held the Jets in check every time we needed to stop. I mean, you think about the three turnovers before that fourth interception. They did not allow a point off any of those turnovers. The, the defense kept doing their job, and we kept getting the ball back in the fourth quarter in a 14, I think it was 14 to 9, then 14 to 12, and we just couldn't add points. And then Jake Elliott, and here's the other thing. In my one defense, Nick Sirianni, and this is where Jake Elliott, I get it. He's been pretty much perfect all year, and everyone's going to miss one eventually. But that one miss was huge because I bet you actually – if you get that thir- that 36-yard or 37-yard, whatever it was, you make that. You make it 17-12. to 12, The Jets need a touchdown, not a field goal. Need a touchdown. I bet you the Eagles call a run play and punt the ball because the Jets do have to go the full, dif- di- uh, full distance for a touchdown. So that's why I think that missed field goal does come back to haunt you because it changes the way you coach the game because it's a 14-12 to 12 game instead of a 17-12 to 12. The Jets needing a field goal to win the game with a very good kicker on their end as well. Eagles were clearly afraid that the Jets could get down to, say, that that 50-yard-plus field goal range and kick a game winner. So if Elliott makes that field goal, makes it 17-12, to 12, I bet you the outcome of the end of the game play calling is a little bit different. So, again, I get it. Everyone's going to have an error. Everyone's going to make a mistake. Elliott, I think that's his second miss of the year. He's been phenomenal all year. But uh, that miss in terms of game script was obviously a very big-time miss there. Am I worried about Elliott? No. But that miss, again, in a huge spot. Yeah, I think I think you said it. Um, I mean, everyone's going to have a miss. It's it's going to happen. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a super windy day, which I guess is going to affect Hurts, too, which we can talk about. But, like, I don't know if you noticed the one field goal. I mean, they made four or whatever, three, I guess. The, the one field – no, four. The one field goal that uh, the Jets made, I thought it was out. Like it went over the pole and it was like, just, it, I yeah. thought it was out. So I, I got to assume there was something going on in that stadium. Um, uh, yeah, which, which, you know, I guess that could have affected Hertz's throwing, but I mean, I think you have a better control of the ball throwing it than you do kicking it. Um, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you say about the importance of making that field goal. Uh, that absolutely. There's very huge importance in that momentum wise, even like, it's just, yeah, I just it it was huge. It was huge. Everything, the whole thing, and everything mattered. Everything mattered in this game, and and it just feels like none of it should have. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have anything else to say. Um, I, I came into this our last episode, uh, published not quite two weeks ago. I don't think. Uh, I think I said that we were gonna have two losses going into the bye. Um, I was assuming we were gonna lose two. The Dolphins and then either the Commanders or the Cowboys. Uh, I never did. I I mean, unless I literally said it, uh, which is possible, I guess. I said it and I don't remember. Um, but I really didn't think we were going to lose against the Jets. And uh, I'm going from thinking we have two losses to I also wouldn't be shocked if we lose out to the bye. Uh, that, that would surprise me if we lost out to the bye. Um, I, I know that's an extreme. I know that's an extreme. Don't get me wrong. But I, I mean, but, in, but the, in the end, argument, in, in the, the argument, end, it's one in the argument, in the argument that the Dolphins is 
uh, I don't know, top three, four team in the league right now. Uh, so you've got the Dolphins. You've got the Commanders, who we've already played. Hard to beat a team twice. Uh, and then you've got the Cowboys, who is arguably better than us now. Like, it's it's just, it is what it is. That's, that's a, I'm not saying we're going to lose out, but I'm just saying I would not be shocked at this point. Yeah, I think what makes this, and it's one loss. It's one loss in the end. I think this team's going to be fine Big overall loss. for the season. Big loss. But here's where the loss hurts. This is a game you should have won. You had, listen, I, I'm going to say it right now, and this is obviously, not. Nah, it doesn't matter because we lost, but you had every team on the road. And I say that meaning this. The Cowboys are playing the Chargers at L.A. on Monday Night Football. There's a very good possibility the Cowboys lose tomorrow night. You had the Cowboys on the ropes because if you would have won today, that would have been the Cowboys' third loss on the year already. You, you would have been in a phenomenal spot to win this division. Phenomenal spot. Because you're most likely, we said it all year, most likely going to split with the Cowboys. So that washes that game out. So they can't make up any ground. So you would have had, you, they would have made up ground on three other games. Three other games they would have made up. That this you would have been in a great position for that. You see the 49ers lose before you. That's the team you're most likely supposed to be fighting with for the, the, the uh, top seed home field advantage at the playoffs and get that first round by. You gave that back to them. I, I mean, that that's where those two games were huge. The, the I mean, in reality, that's the kind of the weird part is the 49ers basically had the same exact loss two hours before our game. Or whatever it was an hour before our game, because the Browns had their backup quarterback in. Deshaun Watson was out, so they, they had a backup in. There's no reason why the 49ers should have lost that game. They lost the road game. Um, they looked bad in that one as well. And, and so, I mean, that's that's the weird thing. It's like, and that and that's gonna say that's gonna save the Eagles too. It's like 49ers fans are probably saying the same thing. They could have had the one leg up if they would have just taken care of business against a bad team and a backup quarterback. And that's what we're sitting here doing. So it, it basically washed out. You're lucky in that sense. But to your point, Zach, your your schedule gets n- nowhere near any easier. It gets the opposite. So you, you bring in a Miami team next, and and I think they actually did. I I think part of it was they they were overlooking the the uh, Jets a little bit. I, I think they knew what's coming next week. Everyone's all excited for these Kelly Green jerseys and playing on Sunday Night Football, going toe to toe two high-powered offenses, and I, and I think you saw that a little bit this week. I think they – and this is a wake-up call maybe you need. It happened in week nine last year when you were 8-0 and lost to Washington, uh, a game we should have won in Philly. This one happens to be in week six in, in New York. Um, so I, I think it's a, I think it's the wake-up call this team probably needs at this point. Um, I mean, there's no undefeated teams left. That's why it's the NFL, and that's why it's – they say it's not easy to beat everyone. You have to go out and play the games, and that's that was proven today. Um, and, and I guess one final thing there is um, is that this team, again, you, you got to see the bounce back. I, I saw a weird stat right before we hopped on here. Uh, the three interceptions is tied for Hurts' uh, career high. And the last time Nick Sirianni probably had this bad of a game and the Eagles had this bad of a loss was um, in MetLife Stadium against the Giants, against Joe Judge. Uh, so... Maybe it's, I mean, I'm not making excuses. I'm saying stats are weird. Like, it's, it's one of those stadiums that hurts, hurts struggles to play in. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to. Like, that's what's weird about it is. Yeah. And uh, you'll have to go there again, obviously, to play the Giants later in the year. So, hopefully, they figure it out. I wonder if it is a turf thing, man. I, I don't know how, which, 
I don't know very many stadiums, like whether they're turf or grass. And I don't know why I'm like clinging to this fact that I know that MetLife Stadium is turf. But uh, maybe that's got something to do with it. Like he has more control in his like legs, you know. But but then again, I I don't know. I don't know. I I don't want to. I'm pretty done with this. Like I just I don't have much else to say. The only like I just it's a scary it's a scary schedule, dude. I mean, we got Dolphins. We've got Cowboys. We've got Chiefs. We've got Bills. We've got Niners. We've got Cowboys. And look, I know they suck. And I mean suck. Cardinals, I'm not overlooking that game because Gannon knows us. Like, so it's just one of those things where when you want to, I'm not even talking about fighting for the first seed in the NFC. Like, I look, I love home field advantage in Philadelphia. It's it's always great. Shout out to the Phillies. But like, I just like just get the NFC East, man. Just get in the playoffs. That's kind of what Harper was just talking about with uh, when he was on the Pat McAfee show. Is he was just saying how like they know to just get in the playoffs and like this is one loss. I get it, but be careful, man. That's all I gotta say. Like the rest of the schedule, like just we gotta be careful. It could vary. It, we could slip and fall down the slope. I think is the best way to put it. No, I know. I hear. Um... No, absolutely. And that's why, again, you go out and play. Your schedule is tough. I mean, there's no denying that. Uh, you have to take care of the teams. You're going to have to take care of Washington. That, that's a game, you know, you probably you win today. It's a game you don't want to lose, obviously, but you might have been able to afford a little bit more. And, and that's that's where this is, in a sense, if it's going to be a bad loss, it's nice in multiple ways in the sense of it's not a division game. It's not a conference game. Those are all where the tiebreakers come back. Um, yeah. so in That's terms true. of that, you're, you're still defeated in division games. You're still defeated in conference games. And, and if you do happen and, and, and the, I mean, then I think it's going to come down to for home field for the playoffs. Anyway, I think it's going to come down to who wins that game against the 49ers head to head. So, um, I think that's where it's going to be big. And, and you mentioned that the Cardinals, no, you can't overlook anybody at this point. If there's a team to overlook, this is probably one of your, your lesser ones on the year. Um, Cardinals went out and beat Dallas. So obviously they're right. capable of beating good teams. So, uh, I mean, yeah, no, you absolutely can't overlook them. And, and I think um, – I, I will say this. Uh, the Jets' defense is real. Like, it is a very good defense. If they, if they didn't lose Aaron Rodgers, this team uh, was projected to fight for that division. Like, Aaron Rodgers changed that whole season. But that defense is still real. And I think I think that – and you saw that today. You saw it against those other games you mentioned earlier. So, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, no, I, it's – you're on to next Sunday, and you, you got to find – and it'd be – you got to – if you want these fans – I mean, not the fans are going anywhere, but you want the confidence level back. You got to go beat that Dolphins team. Uh, I'll tell you what. Uh, like, I don't care how much you win by. If you beat the Dolphins, I will be so much better of a state. Because that's – it's those are the games I was expecting to lose. So, like, a bounce-back win against the Dolphins is huge. It Like, mentality-wise, that's huge. Because that shows, you know – uh, we can go against the best of the best. Like we've beat good teams this year, sure, but we have not played the the brutes, the juggernauts. That's who's left in the schedule, and that's what worries me. Is you go and you lose to the Jets, you you you, you gotta show that you can handle the 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 tough guys. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. All right, I'm done. Fuck you, Eagles. Go birds. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. Go birds. Uh, let's 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 say. Look, all right. You know what? I'm actually gonna save it for last. Uh, Andrew, 
Sixers preseason has started. The actual NHL season has started. Uh, do you have anything on the Sixers and Flyers that you'd like to talk about? If so, now is the time or, uh, well, basically speak now or forever hold your peace. Yeah, I mean, Flyers, just a quick rundown. I mean, we'll see what they're able to do. I, I mean, there's not much promise going into this year in terms of being legit contenders. It, it's going to be get to the next level, start. You've kind of rebuilt over the last couple of years. You got that good pick last year. You're going to go in. He's going to be over next year. So kind of improve the team this year, see what you can do, see if maybe you can sneak into the final playoff spot. Uh, they jump out to 1-1, 1-1 to start the season. They had a, a, a nice opener, bat on uh, to a nice 4-2 four, four to two win, had a tough loss Saturday night versus our old, old uh, friend and, and Claude Giroux. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see what the Flyers are able to do. Um, in terms of in terms of the Sixers, um, I know it's obviously tough to be optimistic with the offseason the Bucks and Celtics were able to have. Uh, I, I think as far as preseason goes right now, I think the Sixers' depth, which is unfortunate say this but the depth is honestly probably as good as i can remember i actually really like where this team's coming from depth wise the pieces they have off the bench however in terms of being a contender it's all going to come down to either what you get back for harden or if you can make somehow get Harden happy again and, and get him to want to play here um because if, if Harden's here you're, you're going to be you'll be a contender like you'll be a contender um but if Harden's not going to play you have very little chance to, to win the championship. And that's what's sad about it. Um, and, I, I mean, we've already all argued about Harden, but that's what's just sad about it because this team is does have talent. You, we're supposed to be excited. New coach coming in after all the question marks with Doc. The team was honestly taking shots after him. Um, hearing some of those quotes this week after some preseason games and practices, I honestly think the team's a lot happier top to bottom. Um, with Nick Nurse as that coach, but it's a shame because the excitement level right now is in the hands of James Harden. Because again, if he plays, you have a chance. If he doesn't, we have no chance. So it's it's a tough spot as a Sixers fan on how the excitement level is. <laughs> Do you? So so that's interesting. First of all, I completely forgot that we haven't played yet with Nurse. Like that's hysterical that I completely forgot that. Uh, <laughs> have. Do do you genuinely think there's a chance Harden stays and plays? And if you do, like like guesstimate percentage that chance is. Is he gonna stay for the year? I think it's very little, maybe five to ten percent. Is he gonna play? I don't see him pulling a Simmons because he is all about money. So I don't think he's gonna want to lose out on the on the fines and all that. So is he gonna play? I think he's gonna play. I think he's gonna play to a level where He's going to look good enough to show teams he can still play, but he's also going to play to a level that says, hey, I still want out. And it's a shame because, listen, I think everyone, I mean, there's no one that has perfect opportunities at jobs top to bottom, right? I mean, I've never met someone that says their job's perfect. They've never had a single issue. And that's what's crazy about Harden is every time there's one single issue, he's He's up and, and ready to move, and I get it. I, we don't know what happened behind doors. We don't know what happened with him and Maury. But in the end, listen, do this for you. Do this for your teammates. Like, in the end, as a player, and maybe I, I'm obviously never been close to major, so I don't really know how well it is. But to me, from an outsider standpoint, why can't you go play for you or your teammates, right? Like, in the end, like, how much do you really have to deal with the GM is my point. Like, in the end, you're going out and playing with 15 other players. You're going out and being coached by Nick Nurse and the coaching staff. 
the GM's not coaching. Like that's what that's what drives me crazy. Um, I know I kind of went off your question there, but to that point is, uh, to my point is like, I don't think it's very high because he's so he's shown us. It's not like it's a first time issue, right? If it was like Embiid who's shown passion to the city, I think you could fix it. But we've seen Harden in the past where, oh, I want out of Oklahoma City because they're not going to pay me enough as a six man, and he went out Houston. That's where he really became a, a true true all star. Then he went out of Houston because they. Lost two straight playoffs, so they weren't good enough to win. Then he went to Brooklyn, reunited with Kevin Durant, had a chance to win out there, and then they weren't good enough. And then you come here, you haven't beat. At what point do you sit down and be like, oh, maybe it's not evaluate problem. Yeah, maybe it's like maybe it's something I'm doing. Maybe. And again, yeah. that's why, like, okay, you're mad at Maury, fine. But like in the end, how much are you dealing with Maury? Again, you're going out and playing with that bead. You're going out and playing with Max. You're going out and playing with Tobias Harris. That's to me as an outsider, isn't that the relationship that's most important? Not a guy that you just have to say hi to when you walk in the door. Like, again, he's not even the one coaching you. It's not like it's a coaching relationship. Yeah, I I think, I mean, look, we're not behind the, we're not in the locker room, et cetera, et cetera. But, like, to me, this feels very similar to the Hurts, Howie Roseman, not Hurts, sorry, Ertz, Zach Ertz, Howie Roseman stuff. And it was just kind of a broken relationship, and it was based on money. And, look, I know these these guys, this is their job. And that's what you are playing for is literally your paycheck. I get it. I totally get it. I wouldn't work for free. That's for sure. However, we're not talking about a guy fighting for an average base salary of like whatever grand. We're talking about a guy who gets like a guaranteed, I want to say 30 mil a year. Like, like what are we talking about, dude? You're talking about, you're, you're arguing about an extra $10 million that you don't need. I'm sorry, but I don't give a shit. Like, I'm not saying people don't deserve to earn their money. Like, you can go do whatever you want and you get whatever you want. But, like, when you're blaming the fact that, like, oh, I can't work here because Maury doesn't keep his word. It's like, dude, you're talking about $10 million and you're already making $40 million. Like, what are you talking about? Like, who cares? Like, so, so, I don't, I don't, it's, it hurts. Because I loved Harden on the Sixers. I was very excited about it. I was very for it. I think, Andrew, you might be the only person who was above me on that level. Like, I, we, we, were, we were very pro-Harden on this podcast. Um, and it's a shame. I, I really hate seeing this hat go the way it did. But uh, I, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to blame Harden right now. Like, I just, I, I have to. Yeah, no, 1,000%. And to your point, not only are you guaranteed $30 million, that's just on your contract with the Sixers. That's not including your million-dollar endorsement deals in Adidas and whatever other yeah. endorsements and commercials you're on. Like, so when you're guaranteed thirty million from Philadelphia, you're probably really guaranteed close to hundred million a year from all your other endorsements and stuff. That's, That's so what's like, the craziest thing. Is. What are we arguing like, about? Like, so yeah, come on, just, just shut up, dude. Just shut up. Not you, Andrew. The shut up, <laughs> shut up and go play. Like, like seriously. Like at this point, you've already gained a ton of mil- uh, money. The only thing you haven't done in your career is win. Like that's yeah. you. You're gonna go down as one of the superstars without a ring if you keep this up. So I, I think it's guaranteed now. I think it's guaranteed because he is what 33. I think if I remember, yeah. it's like dude. Uh, like again, I, I, I as a 30 year old, it's hard to say this. Past your prime, bro. Past your prime. <laughs> like I don't know what to tell you. Like it's downhill from here, baby. It's all cankles and beer guts. <laughs> no. I, no, but and that's what's a shame because I do truly believe if he played, this team would have a chance because I I like this team's depth better than Celtics and Bucks. 
but the problem is you need that third star. Um, so that's where, again, I wish he'd just shut up and play. Yeah, I, I, I look, I'm, I'm not going to get too into it because I haven't watched the game uh, in the preseason, but I, I, I don't think the Sixers go anywhere this year. And quite frankly, I think we are done with the Embiid era. And uh, it's really sad to say. Um, but I want to save that for really another time because there's just like just yeah we, we gotta see the season fun stuff. We gotta yeah, talk about fun stuff. stuff. That's why the Philadelphia Phillies have won the NLDS in their wing division, whatever, and are going to the NLCS. First game is tomorrow when this podcast drops. Monday, October sixteenth. Uh, game one is at eight oh seven p.m. Uh, Eastern time, I should say. It's on TBS. Playing against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, game one is home, correct? Yes, it is. Andrew, I'm going to be honest. The Diamondbacks, I, I know nothing about them. Like, they came out of nowhere, did they not? They are very much the Phillies, like, on the other side. It's 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 very, like, they're intimidating a little bit, is what I'm trying to get to. Uh, so, Andrew, if you want to go on a... I mean, I, I I completely glanced over the NLDS. Like, if we want to talk about that series where we beat the Braves three to one, let's go into that. But I do need a little bit of a sit down and tell me what to expect with this Diamondback situation. So I actually just let's let's go to the NLDS first. Let's let's go praise the fact that we beat the shit out of the Atlanta Braves. We gave them one win in Atlanta. Uh, I'll actually set the stage here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. I talked about it on the podcast before. I was going to go to Game Three. Went to Game Three. Amazing game, six home runs, double home runs by Castellanos, double home runs by Bryce Harper, Trey Turner home run, Marsh home run, if I remember the last one correctly. Yep. It was amazing. It was it was the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. I actually called into the Fanatic the next day to talk about it. It was awesome. It was so much fun. Uh, game four, I was actually in, get this, New York, upstate New York, very upstate New York. Uh, I was in Mets territory. And I was at a bar during game four and surrounded by Mets fans. Get this. Get this loser mentality, dude. They were wearing Mets jerseys, actively cheering against the Phillies. So it was all the sweeter when I start cheering at, you know, Castellanos' home run. I think it's just Castellanos. Yeah, I said it right. Castellanos' home run. And, and, you know, I just start actively cheering in this New York bar and I just see these Mets fans like turn around and go, what the heck is going on? And I just kept, I just got louder and louder, man, with every out that we got, like every single situation, I'm just trying to like shut down these absolute losers cheering for just the loss of another team at a bar so actively. It was the funniest thing. And then to beat them. Oh my God. It was phenomenal to see them crushed and walk out of that New York bar with their tails between their legs. It was the funniest shit I ever seen. Go Phillies. Andrew, talk about the NLDS. Well, real quick, you know what's funny about that too? How you said that? Yeah. Is It's two division teams. That'd be like us cheering highly for the Cowboys to beat the Giants. That's or what... us highly cheering for the Giants to beat the Cowboys. Like, like, yeah, I don't want either team to win, but I'm not going to be sitting there, like, cheering. Like, I get it, you know, if they're, if, like, us against the Dimebacks, I get it. They obviously want the Phillies to lose. They obviously right. want, like, but, like, two division teams, like, I'm not going to sit there, let's go Giants. We need you to beat the Cowboys. Let's go, like, Cowboys. Like, 
Like, there's not a chance you're going to catch me cheering for a division team, regardless of who they're like. That's weird. Like, they, they hear, like, I get it. Obviously, Philly and New York rivalry, but listen, the Braves. The, the Braves, I mean, everyone hates the Braves, too. So that's really funny to hear, actually. Well, so the funniest part about it was, and then I'll give it back to you, but uh, so, again, it was Mets territory, uh, upstate, um, and, and I was in the area for a wedding, and the father of the groom, who was a Mets fan, I'm watching the bar with him, basically, or I'm watching the game with him at the bar, basically. And he, he first pulls the, which I, I respect the move, the basically, like you just said, with a division game where you're like, I just hope the stadium blows up and neither team can win kind of a thing. It's like, that's funny. Like, I don't, I don't. Everybody I, does that. Yeah, everyone does that, right? But like, I basically was like, oh, well, yeah, but I know you hate the Phillies, but you got to hate the Braves a little more in this series, right? Like you want, you got to hate the Braves more, let the Phillies win, and then you can cheer against the Phillies in the next round. And we just kept going back and forth, and he was like, "All right, I'll give it to you. I'll, 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 I'll cheer for the Phillies to win tonight." <laughs> and I, I got it. I got and that felt like a win in itself. Hey, Harper, Harper's here, folks, to talk about Bryce Harper and the Phillies. Um, but I just thought that was funny. Uh, so yeah, Andrew, take it away. That's funny. No, that series is awesome, and we talked about it. Obviously, you want the division the regular season. We talked about it when we had those big games against Atlanta uh, down the stretch. But like, just get in, like. This team has the Braves number in the playoffs. This team is made for it. I mean, th- this front end of the rotation. I-, I mean, you look at it. Yes, the Braves have the best player between both teams. The Braves, the Braves have, the Braves have the best pitcher between both teams. But here's the end game. The Phillies have the best overall team between the two teams. Yes, Ronald Acuna again. He's going to be the MVP of the league. Yes, Spencer Strider is going to be a Cy Young candidate. And, and I get it. Obviously, Harper missed it. So that's why he's not an MVP candidate this year. If he would have played the whole season, guess what? He'd be an MVP candidate. Um, so that that's that was the only difference there in that sense. And I think you saw it. Like, this pitching top to bottom goes to the Phillies. Yes, you could argue the Braves are the best number one starter. But that's where you saw the Phillies take advantage of that Braves team was the depth um, between the two teams. That was huge that you could rely on Ranger Suarez, your three-starter, to go into Atlanta, pitch better than Spencer Strider did, their number one, steal that game, then you set up your rotation with better pitchers, obviously. Game two, we somehow threw away. We should have swept them, which, yeah, we should have swept them, ended up not. But then guess what? Again, your number three starter in Ranger Suarez outpitched the so-called Spencer Strider, the Braves' number one pitcher, again. You beat that. Who beat their number one starter twice with your number three starter? That shows you the depth that this team has. You know what their number three starter did in Philadelphia against our number two starter? He couldn't even last three three innings. We got him out of that game. You go win that game ten to two. That shows you the depth between those two teams, and I really think that came came into play in, in that series. Yeah, yeah. I I mean, I I think it exposed the Braves. Uh, well, I guess that's not fair. I think it. I think it really. It not. I don't want to say expose the Braves. I think it really showed who we are. And and Bryce has talked about it time and again. It's it's the team that just needs a playoff spot. It's the team that is. They they know what they need to do. That's all that matters. And they by winning even more games this year and getting the first wild card spot this year versus last year, you have more home field advantage in that first Marlins series. But like. They knew what they needed to do. It's huge. Uh, I don't, I'm not saying anything against the Braves, although fuck them. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, it was just, it was, 
it was awesome. Just, I mean, we didn't sweep them, but three, one, I, you know, it was a quick series. It was a pretty quick series. Andrew. And, and two real quick. Sorry. I think between the two teams, you just saw the difference in attitude. Like, and what I mean by that is the Phillies could have folded, honestly, after game two. Man, we had this team on the ropes. We let this game get away. Here comes the Braves, the team that's supposed to be. They were all about the power. They hit the two home runs, the one to tie the game, one to take the lead in that game, too. Like, and you know what the Phillies did after the game? Yeah, Castellanos going out there and saying, oh, we thrive off the getting punched in the gut. Like, this is just a punch in the gut. We'll be back. We'll be ready to go. You know what happens after the Braves had a tough loss in Game 3? They start whining and crying. And, and, like, I forget if it was you or Nick that said it in our group chat, but, like, they looked defeated. Like, they, they honestly yeah. looked defeated and, and sounded defeated. Like, oh, here we go again. This is the same story as last year. We can't bounce back from this. Like, I, like it was unbelievable what I saw from Atlanta's locker room after game. Like, oh, this – and I'm not even talking about it because it was heartbreaking. Even if it was about anybody. Just the fact that you came out and said this wasn't supposed to get out in the public when there's 60 reporters in your locker room. Yeah. You realize this is 2023? And it, you sneeze. It's going on social media. Like, I, like what are we doing? And, like, like just the attitude. Like, I think we go on – Paper roster by roster, but just the attitude between the two teams was just so different. I know, dude, and that's exactly correct. It, it's it, it's funny talking like like I remember we texted each other, and I had said, "Did you see the Braves players crying in the locker room?" And Nick responds with, "Wait, like crying?" And I was like, "Okay, whining, not crying." <laughs> and then you sent the video, and we were like, "Actually, pretty close to crying." He, might- <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty watered up, but uh, yeah. No, I, I think the attitude is exactly the biggest factor in that series. That very talented Braves team, but you 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 said it, Andrew. You know, the Phillies lost and they said we gotta bounce back. We gotta go, we gotta take care of things in Philadelphia. The Braves lose and they're like, Oh no, we should what happened? We shouldn't have they shouldn't have heard this. They should like blah blah blah. Like they literally you know what it was like? It was to me. Like, the difference between Philly fans and other fans, a big thing is, like, we lost. The the Eagles lose to the Jets, right? Uh, I mean, I'm sitting here saying the Jets are a bad team, and I'm, like, making fun of them. But in the end, I'm still blaming the Eagles for the loss. Whereas other fans go and they, like, make excuses. And that's the – that's it was the exact – it was a very similar thing between the mentality of the Phillies players and the Braves players. The Phillies – the fact that Cassianos was like – we thrive getting punched in the mouth. Like, it's just like, shit, dude, I don't want to mess with you. Versus, you know, I, I forget uh, which player was the one whining after the loss, game three loss. But that, that that clip, man, of him just being like, oh, well, it's just not fair. It's like, dude, you are you are being a child. Like, shut yeah. the fuck up and go play baseball. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, yeah, it was funny. And you know what? It's it's honestly going to be a fun rivalry because these two teams are going to be at it for a while, like on playoff yeah. time. So it, it's going to be a fun just division rivalry. Like these two rivalry. specific Braves and Phillies. I, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, correct. And, yeah, and you know, like, nah, I don't want to say it. And never mind. I'm not going to speak into existence or anything else. Uh, let's talk Diamondbacks, Andrew. How scared are we of these Diamondbacks? Are we just going to the World Series or are we pretty scared? Yes, we're going to the World Series. Um <laughs> First, let me say this about Arizona. They, like, I actually, 
like top to bottom, I honestly really like this team. Like I, I think they got a lot of talent. This team reminds me of last year's Phillies. Um, they got some players. I, I, they're going to be right there for years to come. Um, and, and I think I, I just think one, it, it's a different, different atmosphere coming to Philadelphia. We got home field. That's crazy. Think about that. We got home field in, in this playoffs or sorry in this series. Um, but no, I, where this team, the Diamondbacks are going to thrive off of is um, they, they they got pitching. Their pitching is the real deal. Their pitching is phenomenal. Um, their top two starting pitchers, Zach Gallon, he's going to go against Zach Wheeler, and then Merrill Kelly, he's going to go against Aaron Nola. They'll be the first two. Um, I, again, I think this is similar to Atlanta in terms of depth. Um, their their number three starter, he's not that good. Uh, he's going to come in. He's got a five seven year array on the season. He was three and nine on the year. And again, that's Ranger Suarez is going to be huge. Even if hypothetically, let's say you drop one of the home games going back to Arizona, that's where it's going to come into really play, take that 2-1 series back. Um, I think in terms of their offense, Corbin Carroll is probably going to be rookie of the year. He's a really young guy. He's got a lot of talent. Um, so you got to watch out for him offensively. Outside of that, they just got a lot of veterans that are going to go out there and, scra- and play scrappy baseball and try to find ways to win. But, um, no, I-, I think there's no reason why this Phillies team can't can't get to the World Series at this point. Um, you get to set up your rotation. I think that was also why it was huge to finish that series against Atlanta in four, is you get to set up your rotation fully, and you get to go out there full full go. Uh, Andrew, one other thing I wanted to talk about, um, if I don't completely blank and forget everything I was going to say. Great. Yep, good. This is why you should write things down, folks. Um, <laughs> oh, shoot. I, I Oh, I was going to ask uh, kind of a stamina question here for the Phillies. So, you know, we have these two back-to-back short series. Uh, any concern in us, you know, it's not the first NLCS we've played in. We've played in one, so it's not a complete concern. But any concern do we think uh, going into a longer win series being that it's a best-of-seven situation? Oh, I'm only going to say no just because um, Arizona's in the same boat. They had to go out there and play the wild card. If not, they could argue that they'd be a little more tired because they had to travel. They they didn't get the home field in, in Series 1 like we did. They had to go out to L.A., go back and forth. So, no, I, I think we'll be just fine. I think this team's built for built for this, this spot. Um, I, I think this team, this is a this is a team that's going to be, you got, again, just like I think the Diamondbacks teams like the Phillies, the, the underdog versus unfinished business. You keep hearing, and that's something I love about this Phillies uh, locker room as well. It's like as much as we see them party and everything, obviously, and have fun after a series win. When it, when they mean business, they mean business. You constantly hear we're still sour about not finishing it out last year. We were up two one in the World Series. We were two wins away. We ended up losing four two. We lost three straight in the World Series. Um, and all they talk about is how they they got unfinished finished business to do. And obviously, it's not top to bottom. All twenty six the same players. But the main core of this is the same. You still got Harper, you got Schwarber, you got Castellanos, and, and you got better. And, and Turner's been there in big situations before, so I got no concern that way. Um, and, and this team's ready. I, I think I, I think this is going to be a, the Phillies series, and I, I think the Phillies take it in five. Uh, so I guess how quickly do you think uh, Arizona, who has yet to lose in the postseason, how quickly do you think we can hand them that first loss? Tomorrow or Monday night, I, I, I think it's, it's Zach against Zach, Wheeler against Gallon. I, I think, again, they're 
We won the season series against Arizona. I think that team's set to um, – they're set to go. It's not going to be uh, an easy win. It's not going to be a battle. But I think, again, I think the Phillies take the first two at home. I think that's where this team's at. I don't think Arizona's ready to come into Philadelphia. Now – I will say they got a couple cool storylines real quick in terms of they got some players from the area. So I, don't know, I always find that kind of cool. So it'll be interesting to see. So going off of the NLCS and jumping over to the ALCS, we've got the Houston Astros trying to get a back-to-back World Series. They have uh, done dealt business uh, against, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, 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 the Twins. Yeah, um, we've got Texas, another underdog team. Texas Rangers coming up and fighting the Astros. First, just gonna kind of throw out. I think it's kind of funny that we got two Texas teams playing each other in a in a championship series. Just kind of interesting. Uh, but in reality, the the big question here is Andrew. Um, you know, Arizona obviously a wild card team. Philly's a wild card team. Texas is a wild card team. Then you've got Houston. Is Houston just gonna go back to the World Series and do business, or could this be a wild card World Series? Oh, it absolutely could be a wild-card World Series. I, I think anytime you're playing a division opponent, anything can happen. Those two teams, yes, obviously one had to win the division, one had to be a wild-card team, but they're both 90-win teams, which the Phillies are also a 90-win team. So regardless, um, if the Phillies are able to take care of Arizona, it's going to be a 90-win team versus 90-win team um, in that sense. So you got three or – yeah, I mean, all four at this point are evenly ma- or close to evenly matched teams. Um, I, I think that the – the battle for Texas out there could go seven. I think it's going to go about six or seven. I think that's going to be a really good back and forth series. Um, and I, I think, uh, no, I, I, in the end, I think Houston will get back. I think you get a World Series rematch of, of last year. But I also think it's a side note too, which is kind of funny. If the Phillies face the Rangers, the Rangers get home field advantage even though they're a wildcard team as well. But if it's the Phillies-Astros, the Phillies get home field advantage over division winners. So I think that's kind of funny because they go by record, not division and wildcard winners. So since we all have the same record, it goes by tiebreaker, which the Rangers won head-to-head against the Phillies, but the Phillies won the head-to-head against the Astros. So it's funny how it all works out like that. Um, It's just funny. Yeah, so as a four seed, we could host a two seed in the World Series, which is really funny to think about. that that would yeah. be pretty fitting in the Cinderella story that is us beating them in the Revenge World Series. Uh, be yeah. pretty funny to to not though. If, like if 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 it's Texas, it'd be pretty funny. Um, funny is the wrong word, but it, it'd be weird. That's that's weird. That's totally funny well, that you got to go to the tiebreakers there. Then uh, yeah, there's, there's storylines for both too, which I was reading already, which is kind of funny. Um, first, if you play the Astros, obviously it's the easy one. It's the rematch of last year. Now, if it's the Rangers, it'd be kind of funny if you were to beat them to end the season because they swept you to start the season. It'd just kind of be funny. You start the year with losses to the Rangers, but you end the year with the wins against them. So it'd be funny if you face them in the start and end with them as well. So it's funny how it kind of all circles around each other. Well, I will nonchalantly watch the ALCS and uh, just kind of see what happens with that one as opposed to, again, tuning into the NLCS. Uh, pretty stoked. Um, me and Andrew, big locker room guys. Don't don't you worry. We'll keep you posted on all locker room merchandise. Uh, but yeah, no. Um, 
I'm just I'm excited for this series. It's 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 electric. It's it's absolutely amazing. Bryce Harper, I, I talked about it earlier, getting on the Pat McAfee show, a football program and just absolutely hyping the guys up about baseball. It's it's really cool to see stuff like that. Um and you know, like I I, I love the Phillies. I, it's I'm not an Andrew level baseball fanatic, but I love the Phillies and, and this is the greatest time to be a Phillies fan. Uh and that's gonna wrap it up for me. Andrew, any other literally anything at all you want to talk about? Um go for it. Oh hi Harper. No. He's gotta go say hi to Harper soon, guys. Yeah. She's she's very excited for me to get get done here. But um no, I think I guess my final thing is you mentioned it like in terms of fan level and everything, but like I think that's what's so fun about this Phillies team is how much they just like connect with the city. Like and how like the videos all the players going to Xfinity Live and and celebrating with the fans there. I don't know if you saw some of those videos um, of the players on the top deck and Xfinity Live, and you just have a sea of Phillies fans out there, and they're screaming from the top. They're singing, dancing on my own. Like, it's just incredible. Like, you obviously see them when they're on the field and stuff, but I don't really remember ever seeing any other teams going out like that and partying with the fans like that. It's just such a cool feeling, and, like, even the families of the players – getting involved they're constantly tweeting with fans like it just seems like it's just such a cool feeling like it's not just like players and fans like it usually is i feel like i feel like this is truly just like a fun players getting along with the fans and just like i don't know it's like they, they just know what philly's about and they're just connecting and i think a lot of it has to do with harper as you keep mentioning him going on shows and i think him accepting Philly and everything. And then I think he's rubbing off on all the other players in the locker room too. Like, I think it's just an incredible team togetherness. I, I, I agree. And, and actually just one thing to add there, I, it goes into the whole Braves thing with them making fun of the Phillies. I, uh, you know, I think it's a bit, I think a big part of it is the fact that the, and, and Harper says this, that like the players on the Phillies are made for Philly. That They are very much hype themselves up and talk, shit on themselves like they 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 don't blame anything outside of their own locker room and that i think is huge they put they 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 point the finger at themselves before anyone else they celebrate themselves before anyone else and and it's just that's philly mentality baby you you take that you take the hits and you take the wins and i love it no one thousand percent with that and that's one of the reasons obviously outside being a fan obviously outside loving this team I just want to see this team win a World Series because I just need to see this team's celebration. Like these, their celebrations are so epic. Like I just, I need to see what this team does in a World Series championship. I, I think they would be sleeping until whenever the parade showed up. That's for sure. And they might be sleeping right. on the parade. Well, they might be sleepwalking. They might have beer goggles on for sure. Um, all right, I do have one last thing. We'll probably figure out a po- one more podcast next weekend for next week. Uh, but just in case, uh, I do want to say, <clears throat> Andrew, Schwarber's due for a home run. Your prediction on what game it is, tell me now. <laughs> or none. I'm going to go with game two. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be at home for sure. If he if he if he homers outside, it's almost pointless for him to get a homer outside. He needs he needs a home home run a hundred percent. He oh. needs to crush that ball in Philly and just hear everyone cheer for him. But I mean, he he loves his leadoff home runs. It would be amazing if he just starts tomorrow's game 
You get you get a shutdown inning from Zach Wheeler to start it, and Schwarber just leads one off for the home run. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. All right, thank you everyone for listening to Philly Sports Now, a Philly Fan Podcast. I'm uh, sorry for the explicitives again during the Eagles portion. I regret nothing. Uh, thank <laughs> you for sticking around. I, I we said it before. I'll say it again. Uh, oh well. Also, you know, Twitter and all that's in the information below. I uh, said it before, and I'll say it again. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Andrew, send us off. Phillies in five. Go Phils, baby. Bye. Mm-hmm.